0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you on behalf of IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Pastor John Burke, is the author of no Perfect People Allowed, Soul Revolution, unshakable Love, and the New York Times bestseller Imagine Heaven. John worked as an engineer and was essentially an agnostic until he discovered Raymond Moody's book Life After Life. He read it in one sitting and began to see confirmation that life goes on and actually begins to, uh, begins to become real after we die. This realization led John to seminary studies, and John and his wife, Kathy, founded Gateway Church in Austin, Texas. And since 1998, Gateway has grown to some 5,000 people, made up mostly of unchurched people who began actively following Christ at Gateway. John is also the president of Gateway Leadership Initiative, a nonprofit organization working to help church planting pastors and ordinary Christians raise the church out of the culture. John has studied more than 1,000 NDEs and has spoken in 20 countries to over 200,000 church leaders and Christians. In his landmark book, Imagine Heaven, Near-Death Experiences, God's Promises, and the Exhilarating Future That Awaits You, John compares the commonalities in more than 100 NDEs and ties them in a convincing way to Bible references to build a composite picture of what heaven appears to be as best as we can explain it from this side of the veil. John and Kathy, uh, uh, the, they have a, a grown daughter, Ashley, a son, Justin, and they live in Austin, Texas. And you can follow his blog at John dot John, welcome to NDE
1: radio. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Lee. Appreciate it.
0: Well, I appreciate your being on. And I, I love the premise of your book. Uh, that the collective commonalities of NDEs are key to understanding their importance and, and that those commonalities are confirmed in many respects by Scripture. Um, it seems to me this should be the key to persuading other clergy to incorporate NDEs into their understanding and sermonizing. Have you, have you had much luck persuading other clergy?
1: Well, you know, um, actually, yes, a lot have. In fact, I've had friends who told me um, because my other books really had uh, nothing to do with with NDEs. However, my study of NDEs began, you know, over thirty years ago when my dad was dying of cancer, mm-hmm. and and like you said, someone gave him life after life, and uh, and I read it and said, oh my gosh, this God Jesus stuff may be real. So Moody's book opened my eyes, mind and heart as a skeptical engineer and um, and and then you know on my own you know studying uh, the life and history of Jesus and trying to understand all that I came to faith and then later left engineering went into seminary. so I have been um, I've been studying this literally for 30 years trying to make sense of it for myself uh, I've, I've spoken on it, you know, along the way, but I didn't write about it until 2015. And in part because I knew um, many Christians have just pushed it away. Uh, and I think, out of, I don't know, you know, some maybe, maybe fear of the unknown, not having time or wanting to take the time to really study it and, and really look into it and, and see how much it harmonizes with what God's been revealing all along through the mm-hmm. Old Testament Jewish prophets and through Jesus. I mean, you see what, you know, what people say and then looking at what the scripture says, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. So for me, it was just, the, it was the story of my life and my faith and, and bringing it all together. So yeah, when I wrote it, I knew, uh, in fact, I, I even said, you know, kind of secretly in my prayer to God, well, God, this might be the end of it all for me. <laughs> 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 meaning, you know, meaning my, the, the ministry I'd done, you know, and, and we'd started gateway to, to help people who wanted to explore faith. And, you know, I just didn't know. Um, but what I heard a lot of pastors actually say is, you know, at first when I heard you write, writing about this is like, what, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they said, if I hadn't known you, I probably wouldn't have picked it up and read it. When I read it, I was blown away. And then word started spreading. And, you know, it, it went to number one on Amazon uh, of all books and was a New York Times bestseller. And so people couldn't really completely ignore it. And, and they started reading it. And then I've seen a huge wave of understanding, um, honestly, come across the church. Now, have there still been some? Yeah. I mean, there was one large denomination that, uh, that, that banned my book from being sold. Uh, in their bookstores and you know as you said you that know, may encourage people that that might actually help the congregation <laughs> you know, are probably out there secretly buying copies like well. oh i can't read it well watch this <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the american way
1: yeah you know, you, you're gonna tell me not to okay here goes
0: <laughs> i would love to see you get a huge grant to send copies of your book to every hospital chaplain out there because so many chaplains are so convinced by their own particular denomination that NDEs can't be real, that they often cut people right off. You know, they're, here's the chaplain who just came in. I just had an NDE. I want to tell him about it. And he'll say, oh, that was the anesthesia and medical people can be the same way. It's really frustrating.
1: Well, and I actually wrote a a short version, you know, of more of the the evidence for skeptics. It doesn't go into as much of the the biblical detail of how it all ties together. You know, and imagine heaven. I was really trying to take people into a picture of what the scripture says, but these people of NDEs, they color it in for you, you know? So by the end of it, you feel like you've been there, but not everybody's going to read that. And so I, I put into a short 90 minute version of it called what's after life, more of the evidence for skeptics. And actually, um, Hospital chaplains all over Austin and in other cities are using it, and um we had a grant that uh, distributed not not what's after life but imagine heaven uh to over two hundred thousand um front lines hospital workers firefighters police officers, you know those who are on the front lines of seeing life and death terrific. every day that's yeah, that's
0: terrific, wow. John, I want to get into some of the connections you've made with Scripture, but um, first I want to start with two amazing analogies you made in Imagine Heaven about space and time. Uh, I really love these. I don't know if they were original with you or if you, if you got them from someone else, but they they just both of them blew my mind. The first one describes crossing over, and it, begin, it begins, imagine you are part of a black-and-white two-dimensional painting hang, hanging on the wall of a room. Why don't you take it from there?
1: Yeah, I was an engineer, so I think like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and, and this really has opened up a lot of understanding for me. Mm. So these people, as, as you know, if you've listened for a while, they're describing a reality that is hard to put into words. And, and And what does that mean? And so you can only understand those kinds of things by analogy. So I say imagine that this life we're living – um, is, is actually a flat black and white painting on a wall. Death means separation. So when we die, our, our spirit or soul is separated from our physical body. So imagine then you're at death you're ripped off that two-dimensional plane of that picture and suddenly you're brought out into this three-dimensional room of color that was around you all the time. You couldn't see it or even fathom it because you didn't have a third dimension. You just had side to side and you know, up and back. And now out, there's this whole other world. And you can see your flat black and white world contained in it. You understand it now. You have this whole new experience, but you're yourself. And then imagine you get pressed back into that flat black and white two-dimensional world, and you have to now explain a three-dimensional world of color in flat, black and white, two dimensional terms. Mm-hmm. And that I believe is exactly what <laughs> NDEs are trying to do. You know, yeah. we, science tells us um, that, I mean, science has proven that there are at least five dimensions. Um, you know, some say up to 11 dimensions to our space time continuum that we don't even see um, mm-hmm. or understand it's, it's, it's not beyond reason to postulate a world that is in other dimensions that are not limited to our three. And time is the same. So you you know in say that uh, time doesn't work the same way. Like even Alexander said, um, I didn't know if it was a if it was a minute or a lifetime. Mm. You know? Well, I mean, that's exactly what Peter, Jesus' disciple, said in second Peter three, eight. He said to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day.
0: And I never really got a picture of how that could be until i saw your one dimension lineal time straight line two-dimensional time being a straight line a vertical line up from that from that one dimension at one particular point in time so in other words it could be tuesday and that's a 24-hour day and you're going through it in lineal time but going straight up you could spend a thousand years on that one day
1: yeah, and that was not mine. That was actually an astrophysicist named uh, Hugh Ross. That. So yeah. amazing. Well, and then, then the, yeah,
0: the if, convergence. Tell it. Tell us about the convergence.
1: Yeah. So, so if you can picture it, we only experience time in one linear direction, moving forward from today to tomorrow, and and you can't ever go back. If you had, and that's one dimensional. So two dimensional means that at each point on that timeline there's a a vertical line. So picture like, you know, the, the equator on the, on the globe, and then picture the, um, you know, the, the longitudinal lines that go off that. So on every longitudinal line, you have all the time in the world going up or down off that single point on the timeline. And then imagine how in three-dimensional time, all those Longitudinal lines come up to one single point, the North Pole, right, of time, mm-hmm. which means whoever's there at that third dimension of time experiences the beginning and the end all at the same time. Past, present, and future. Jesus which, said, I, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the right. beginning and the end. We don't get it. It doesn't make sense. But actually, by analogy, we, we can start to, to grasp.
0: Yeah and that's an aspect of god the i am because that i am at least in hebrew is past pre- present and
1: future yeah exactly
0: wow it's it's, it's amazing and it's a, it's a such a neat way to to envision well you know there was that 1800 story about flatland uh, yeah. which is basically what you were saying about the picture on the wall but i had i couldn't make the conversion until i i read it in your book i wanted to ask you about i mean there are several references to what might have been ndes in the bible and the question i guess is how was the bible written except by people who had visions and dreams and ndes yeah how and else does I, god communicate with us
1: yeah god is the creator so if he creates us you know it's like me i can i can create pencils to write what i want to say you know, in a medium that I want to, I want to say it. God can do the same thing through, you know, people He creates. But I think one thing that was was really eye opening to me was realizing as I'm as I'm reading the scriptures in Acts chapter fourteen, Paul, you know, Paul uh, was was Saul. He was a Pharisee who was actually killing Christians, and he has a point in time where. He sees this blinding light that he knows is God on the Damascus Road. Um, this is actually Acts chapter uh, 10, I think. And, and he says, who are you, Lord? He says, you're, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Mm. And he has the same experience of those who see this brilliant God of light. Now, that didn't take away his free will, so he still had a free will. Jesus doesn't tell him what to do. Jesus actually sends Ananias to explain things to Paul. But Paul ends up, you know, coming to faith in Jesus, and of course, going and 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 telling others all over the Roman Empire. And at one point in Acts fourteen, he he encounters a crowd that persecutes him and literally kills him, stones, stones him. To them. Death.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: it says they dragged him out of the city and left him for dead. And, and then it says, as they gathered around him. Paul revived, got back up, and went back into the city and tried again, which personally I wouldn't do. Hey, let's try a different city. Maybe, maybe it will be a better welcome there. <laughs> but that's what it says. Now, yeah. what's fascinating about that is Paul himself in 2 Corinthians 12, then he's talking about himself. And he says, I know a man, talking about himself, who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Why didn't he know? Well, as we know, NDEers say, well, I was completely myself. In fact, I was more myself than I've ever been mm-hmm. in my NDE. But he says, I was taken up into heaven, and I saw and heard things inexpressible. And Paul later says, what I has not seen or ear has not heard, that's what God has prepared for those who love him. Mm-hmm. And he talks all about the body in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, the body is is buried, uh, you know, in, in the flesh. It's raised a spiritual body. It's 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 buried in, you know, in weakness, but it's raised in power. And you even see that when NDEs talk about almost like they had superpowers, right? Not just five senses, they had 50 senses. Yeah. And all these things are buried. There's like these gems all over the scriptures. And, it, and it's just amazing, really, when you... When you like, let me, let me tell you one more real quick that I think, um, so we know how indie ears talk about, um, things like telescopic vision, right? You know, that, that is that, I mean, have you, have you guys talked about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. The,
0: you zooming your eyes, zoom in on something.
1: Yeah. They could see 10 miles away. Like it's up close, oh. every blade of grass, every flower or leaf. Right.
0: Yeah, you and, had a, an NDE, descri- uh, NDE or described that he could see th- 360 uh, and um, with Zoom vision and uh, yeah. a, like a spherical vision as well. Yeah.
1: Many of them, many mm. of them. And, 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 and so, you know, and I think just going back to your original question. So I think Christians or pastors early on, and I'm talking back in the, you know, 80s. When when I started learning about these, they started coming out, become known. They heard things like that, and they were like, "Well, that's not in the Bible. That's I don't know what that is," and they pushed it away. But it actually is, you know. For instance, in the Book of Revelation, in in Revelation chapter twenty one, John, who's one of Jesus' disciples, is taken into heaven, mm-hmm. and he has this experience that ties amazingly to what I show many NDEs also said but it makes sense of things that to me used to you know i used to i used to read john's uh vision of the new jerusalem and the gold streets and the you know pearly gates and all that and i'd be like eh. yeah sounds me like, too sounds sound <laughs> like a like a bad televangelist set from the 80s <laughs> yes. you <know>? like <laughs> trying too hard and that's too worldly you know but but what we you know what we know from ndes is he was describing in the best words he could something truly otherworldly. But one of the things he says, he's up on a high mountain. And, and, and in the book, I interview uh, a commercial airline pilot who, who experienced the scene, this high mountain in the city. And it's it's huge. It's, I mean, it's it, bigger than Himalaya's kind of huge and, and just amazing. So John says in the book of Revelation that. He read the names written on the foundation stones in the city. How? From up on an incredibly high mountain? Unless you have telescopic vision. Yes. And he's describing things like this. So also the colors. So you know how NDEs talk about colors, uh, 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 you know, of, of a spectrum we've never we've never seen before. Well, that makes total sense because. It says in Revelation 21, another thing that John says is there is no sun or moon uh, in, in, in heaven for the glory of God is its light and, and the Lamb, Jesus, is its lamp. And it says, and the nations will walk in that light. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, the Old Testament Jewish prophet Isaiah, who wrote you know 800 years before Jesus, said the exact same thing. Now, that's exactly what Indy Ears testify about they say this light was not just like it was brighter than the sun but easy to look at and 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 it wasn't just light it was palpable it was life and it was love and light all together and it came out of everything it gave life to everything and if the color spectrum of earth you know is the breakdown of the of, of the light of the sun then what you're seeing in heaven are the colors of the breakdown of the spectrum of the light of God, the glory of God. So of course it's going to be way beyond what we have experienced here. In fact, I think everything here on earth is a is a shadow of the real thing that we were created for in heaven. And I think everything we're experiencing here is a very muted experience uh, of of life, of the good and and I think in God's mercy, the evil as well. Yes.
0: Well, in descriptions of the third heaven of that paradise that, uh, Paul went to, uh, ND years talk about, um, uh, light is emanating from the trees and the flowers and the fields and the, uh, the other people and the, everything is glowing with radiance and, uh, Jesus, I guess is brightest of them
1: all. Um, yeah. And, and even that, you know, Jesus said, you know, that, that um, you will shine like the stars in the kingdom of your father forever. Mm. Daniel, in the Old Testament, um, in, in, in Daniel chapter 12, an angel tells Daniel, um, you know, many will be raised to life uh, in, in, in the last days, and, and those who led many to, to righteousness, to right living with God, will shine like the stars forever. And that's exactly what we see now. And I, and I postulate because I'll tell you honestly, like for a while that kind of bothered me. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be a light, you know, like what's that, (laughs) you know, or, or, you know, another commonality, interestingly, are these robes, these white robes. People see them all over the the world. And I was like, I don't want to wear a robe forever. You know, but what I, (laughs) what I started to realize the more I studied is that, the life to come is not unlike this life. I don't always wear the same thing. There are different things I wear, or different ways I look on different occasions, and it's the same in the life to come. And what I realized is this: this robe, this white robe, is not a white robe. It's. I think it's actually translucent, and and it's 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 a it's it's a particular clue. We you know Marv Besteman, um, who was a a bank president said when, when he was there at, at, you know, outside the city, there was a long line of people. He was dressed in his favorite golf clothes and he saw Indians dressed in, you know, their, their saris and he saw people, tribal people dressed in their tribal dress. I mean, we, we can wear what we have always felt comfortable in, but these robes of white, I believe, actually show off the glory of God, the, the light and life and love of God that comes through us. Mm. And that's exactly what, what Jesus was saying. And, I, and I, I came to realize that, well, I think one of the greatest rewards of heaven, in other words, you know, Jesus taught us that we go through a lot of suffering in this world, and it's not for nothing. Um, you know, it says, it, it says that we, we were meant to be children of God. And, and that's, that's a free gift for everyone who wants it. I mean, that's what we celebrated last weekend at Easter. Jesus paid the price for our adoption into God's family. Everybody gets it who wants it. The only thing that can keep you out of heaven is your own free will saying, I don't want your love or life, God. And then love can't force. And so he doesn't. You know, he says, OK, your will be done. But that's not his will. And so... Uh, you know, we have this incredible experience of the light and life and love of God flowing through us. And I believe as we, the things that we go through in this life um, are, are, in some ways, we're sharing in, in the sufferings of God himself. I mean, Jesus entered our suffering, and it says in, in Romans chapter 8, so that we will share in his glory. And I think, I think to some degree, you know, heaven's a gift and and relationship with God is a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. You don't have to clean up your act or figure it all out or get your karma right. Um, it's a gift because God is like that. He, and I mean, how many NDEers tell you that they saw their life review. They saw the good and the bad. They were their own judges. But God loves them, and he's done everything to forgive them and, and welcome them home, right? Mm-hmm. But in that, um, you know, I, 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 one per, as one person said it is that, you know, everybody will experience the fullness of the love and life and joy of God, but maybe with different capacities, and that that's that's part of the why of of how we live this life, so sometimes you know one of the things that bugs me is the misunderstanding of god's grace, you know this this idea that God would love us so much that He would forgive us of all our sins, past, present, and future, and that gets misunderstood in two ways: some misunderstand it in that well, then it doesn't matter what I do, and that's absolutely not true no um, it's just that relationship isn't based on that. Um, but it does matter. You know, it's kind of like, uh, my, my daughter just had my first granddaughter and you know, Oh, congratulations. Yeah. It's (laughs) awesome. She just learned to walk last week and they're living Uh, with us. They've been living with us through COVID. And so it's just been awesome. But you know, relationship with my granddaughter uh, as well as my son and daughter, it's never going to be based on what they do or don't do, whether they please me or don't, even if they make horrible mistakes. I love them because they're mine. Mm. But that doesn't mean I want them to do things that are detrimental or would hurt them or hurt others, right? Because it, it does have consequences. And so I think it's the same thing with God. And and, and the, the encouraging thing there, and I think this is what God is showing people in the Life review. Is that relationship is a gift, but how we live our lives and what he has us here to do does matter to him. And it's all about love, which was exactly the message of that God gave Moses, you know, love the Lord, the Shema, the Jewish mm-hmm. creed, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, you know, and then love your neighbors as, as yourself. Jesus comes and repeats it and says all the commands of the Bible can be wrapped up in those two, you know, which he said are really one. You can't, you can't do one without the other. And, and, and so he, you know, so I think the way we live our lives then influences somehow, and I don't really understand this, but it's my theory, um, the capacity we have to experience, uh, this, this life to come. The, um, I
0: think you make a point in the book that, uh, lots of people have traditionally believed that with the coming of jesus everything changed god changed the old testament god was out the window and the new testament god was was the one in force and yet if if jesus death on the cross was a timeless event which you know in on the other side it certainly would have been it would have been for all eternity and we take it that way to mean that uh his death on the cross forgives the sins that we commit in, in our current lives as well, if we, if we regret them. Um, I, I guess, uh, I'd like you to expand a little on that. How, how do you reconcile the old Testament God who is traditionally considered to be very judgmental and law, uh, driven versus Jesus who is love driven?
1: Yeah, I, um, I understand, <laughs> you know, because a um, a cursory reading of, of the Old Testament um, w- without understanding the heart of it or looking at it through, I think, the lens of Jesus or some of the prophets who are speaking of what's going to happen. I mean, go read Isaiah 53. It was written... Eight hundred years before Jesus came, it was <laughs> yes. Easter. It's Easter. <laughs> mm, in fact, in fact, I had a. Um, uh, I was doing a panel with a group of people from all different religious backgrounds: Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, uh, atheist, um, Jewish, and and we were talking last night on this on this panel, and and, and the Muslim the Muslim woman said that um, what actually uh, she, no, I'm sorry. It was, it was one of the Hindu, Hindu women who, um, met a Jewish man and started to open up to the God of of the Bible that way. And then she meets who became her, her husband. She was raised Hindu. Um, and he's a, he's a Christian from Azerbaijan. And anyway, um, so she has this wrestling match going on inside of her and her Jewish friend said, well, just read Isaiah and you'll know the truth. The Jewish friend says this. She reads Isaiah and she goes, I just watched the passion of the Christ. That's Jesus in Isaiah. Mm, mm. (laughs) And that's how she, that's actually how she came to faith in Jesus. There, there's, they're not many, they're one. And God is the God of all people. In fact, and that's what I often point out, um, that, God says in in Genesis chapter twelve, He began the Jewish people. He says to Abraham and Sarah, the you know patriarchs, uh, "I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to all the nations." And five hundred times throughout the Old Testament, God is speaking to all the nations. I've studied the world's religions. I've read most of the of, of the sacred writings, um, and there are no other gods in the world's history that are consistently speaking that they care, that, it, that God cares about all people of all nations. But that's what he was doing all along. And that's what he was saying about Jesus, too. I mean, go read Isaiah forty-eight, forty-nine. says the Messiah is going to come not only to rescue the Hebrew Jewish people and pay for their wrongs, but all the Gentile nations, all the nations, that he would make one big family. And so all this comes together. And again, the most important thing in the Old Testament, the Shema, was the creed of the Jewish people, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the Ten Commandments are all about how to do that. The first you know, the first four are, what does it mean to love God first? And then the, the last six are, what does it mean to love your neighbor mm-hmm. as, as yourself? Now, here's the thing. When you look at the religions of the world, they all have one thing in common. They all say basically the same thing about the moral law. And and you see this consistently in the the religious writings, the sacred writings of, of the world's religions. But the problem is, so all that tells us is we've known basic right and wrong in all cultures for all time, and yet how well have we done at keeping those laws? Like how how well have we done at Not lying or cheating or <laughs> stealing or lusting or you know blah blah. We blah,
0: have blah. failed so abysmally. I'll tell Abismally. you abysmally.
1: <laughs> and and every single person I interviewed last night when we were talking about this, it's the same. And it was the same for me growing up in in Christian Christian faith as well. I you know it just felt like a, a bunch of rules that I didn't understand. I didn't know, how could you know this is true? You know, like I said, I have an engineering mind. Nobody took the time to explain it to me, and I knew I failed. I mean, I don't even keep my own moral law, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, you ever said, I'll never, and you did, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so we all live in this, in this kind of state of judgment and condemnation on ourselves. That's why we judge and condemn each other, and we do, Regularly.
0: Oh I know yeah. it's terrible. Well it's we blame terrible. we blame other people for our worst failings.
1: Right. But see so, here's the here's the beautiful thing is what God was foretelling in the Old Testament that that is confirmed in the New Testament is the same thing. That God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's that's Old Testament. You know that that he washes us clean. Um that and and in fact You know, he put so many uh, foretellings in the Old Testament that this is what he was doing and confirmed them in history. I mean, I actually came to faith not because of the NDEs, but because of all the historically validated things that God had already foretold would happen, not only through Jesus, but the whole Jewish nation. And that's what actually led me to faith. The NDEs are just one more line of evidence of this God who is crazy in love with us.
0: John, we are out of time for today, but let's continue this conversation. Next week is part two. Pastor John Burke, thanks so much for sharing the story of your research into NDEs and how it changed the direction of your life.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, Lee. Appreciate it.
0: If listeners would like to listen to this show again or any of our nearly 400 past shows, just go to NDE Radio and hit the past shows button. For more about INS, go to their website at iands.org. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio with Pastor John Burke. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.